you got your handouts with you this morning, go ahead and turn to them. We're going to be uh, spending some time this morning thinking about and talking about uh, Jesus and his healing ministry. We've been spending time looking at face-to-face divine encounters. We've looked at uh, seven now, uh, people that Jesus connected with, people that Jesus spent time with, and we're using the... um, Chosen film series, the Chosen TV series as part of our uh, visual aid for that and for this series. Inside your handout this morning, there's an insert that says just that very thing, the heart that sees and heals. Thinking about Jesus. We're actually combining two that I planned as individual weeks. Because of the snow, we kind of changed up the schedule slightly. And so we're dealing with the leper and the lame man instead of in two different weeks uh, together today. So uh, we'll kind of see Jesus's healing ministry with these two. And in fact, in some ways, they're they're strangers to Jesus. Not like Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the people that we've taken. Maybe not even like Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, which became disciples of Jesus. But these two individuals seem to be out of the crowd out of the blue, unrelated to Jesus, independent of any relationship with him. And so it's a fun study on how Jesus dealt with strangers, how Jesus dealt with outsiders, how Jesus dealt with those who would trust him from an external um, uh, passage in place. So trusting strangers, and we're talking about these one-time encounters with Jesus, rather than many of the things, disciples we've studied, have been ongoing, multiple uh, contacts with Jesus. These two seem to be, at least to start with, uh, one-time contacts with Jesus, strangers that he looks into their lives, he has a heart for them, he heals them, and blesses their lives. So let's take some time and and, uh, look into that. The first one, I want you to think about this, is uh, the leper. I want you to think about Jesus healing the leper. There's some unique things about Jesus touching this man. One uh, phrase I put out to start with is, Jesus fo- uh, healing follows Jesus around. You know, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said there's two things that he was going to do. He was going to preach the kingdom of God and heal diseases. And they go together. The healing of people and the preaching go together because the preaching was confirmed by the miracles that were worked. Now, last week we spent time focusing on Mary, but our, our focus story-wise was on the wedding feast at, the, at, the, at Cana of Galilee. And that was the first beginning of the public miracles, public ministry of Jesus. In fact, that was why I think he struggled with, is this the right time? Is this the right place? Is this the right way to begin the public ministry? These two individuals become like that building on the public side of that ministry. But just healing followed Jesus around. Where Jesus went, healings happened. Let's just read this uh, passage here. A man with leprosy came to him. And begged him on his knees. What's that tell you about this fellow's position? He begged him on his knees. Humble. It's really desperate. 
it's really a, 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 a act of worship to a large degree, getting on your knees and being prostrate before this Lord. He begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Notice he didn't say, you can heal me. We'll talk about that. He said, well, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. Some of your versions may say Jesus had pity on him or Jesus had compassion on him. Jesus was indignant. And he reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See to it that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded you for your cleansing as a testimony to them. You know, the thoughts I want to, want to focus on here, I want you to think about the misery of leprosy for a minute because as we drill into the disaster this disease was, the terrible disease that this was, it leads us to a, a, an even further depth on how compassionate Jesus was. Leprosy is now these days called Hansen's disease, and it's a little bit more narrowly defined today. Back in biblical times, it included a variety, probably four or five different major varieties of skin diseases. Leprosy, by and large, is the loss of nerves and, and nerve ability. It's uh, inability to feel, to feel pain, to feel uh, burning uh, sensation. So most of the injuries that lepers got were because they couldn't feel. They could put their hand on a red hot burner and not take it off, where you and I would pull back and they would end up with massive injuries. You could have a, a, a rodent chewing on your toe and you'd never know it while you slept. So they ended up losing their digits. They lost their fingers and their toes. They lost uh, parts of the body. And it, there was a bacterial infection that was taking place at the same time. They were miserable. And the Bible actually made provision for them to be uh, extricated and put out from the rest of the population to protect the healthy. They were, Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, told to be outside the camp, just like we're dealing with this crazy virus and wanting to seclude, isolate, and insulate those who are well from those who are vulnerable. That's kind of the case for the people with leprosy. So they were confined. They were um, sentenced, as it were, to a life of isolation. No one could touch them. In fact, the Bible says they're supposed to go around shouting, unclean, unclean. They're to wear a mask or cover their lip so that they didn't extend the infection to others. If they were downwind, they were supposed to be 100 feet away. If they were upwind, they were supposed to be six feet away. Well, it's interesting, six feet, you know? Kind of the same terminology we use today for, for a coronavirus. Because of the infection that this was said to be uh, so horrendous. It was, in fact, let's use this word, repulsive. If you saw a person in even mid-stages of leprosy, your stomach 
would probably have a, a visceral feeling for them because of the damage that's done. Some would use the word an abhorrent disease. It was horrendous. And it epitomized what it meant to be an outsider, what it meant to be an outcast in their uh, society, that isolation. And so they used the term unclean, unclean. That meant they couldn't have any of the spiritual religious rites. They couldn't have any of the um, uh, in options that they had for those. They were considered to be unclean. And there was an urgency with that. Um, just recently, my sisters and my mother, who's 87, just went through the coronavirus infection. They were tested positive. Now, fortunately, most of the members of my family had almost zero symptoms. Praise God, especially with my mom, who's up there in years. Um, she ended up with a lingering lack of olfactory opportunities. She can't smell or taste very well. Ron, Ron you know about that, right? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and, and there's that fear that you have when an infection strikes someone that's, that's vulnerable. And that's mostly what was driving the isolation of the lepers and the leper colonies. But even today, in many, many cultures, especially in, in, in the East, India and Pakistan, and you'll see these leper colonies still exist where people are isolated uh, from one another. So this misery of the leper kind of leaps to the front because if he had to stay away from people and if he had to uh, yell unclean, he's really disobeying that. When he comes up, he came to Jesus. He fell on his knees before Jesus. Now, probably all those who recognized him were shrinking back on, look out, look out, stay back. But what did Jesus do? Jesus went up to him. Jesus touched him. In fact, let's talk about the mercy of the Lord. Jot that down. Because right alongside of the misery of the leper is the mastery, the uh, mercy of Christ. Because his compassion, uh, in my version it says, the, the New International Version says, that Jesus was indignant. Now, he wasn't mad at the man who had the disease, but I think Jesus, whenever he was confronted with the uh, sickness and disease and sin in the world, he was indignant with this is affecting God's people. This innocent bystander has received and, and, and developed a disease that is gonna kill him, that's gonna take his life. And Jesus was indignant. He had mercy on him. The other, some of the other versions say he had pity on him. One of the versions says he had compassion. The idea of compassion is what, with much feeling. It's that uh, deep down inside feeling that you have for someone. Jesus had mercy. See, Jesus sees people differently than we see people. He didn't see in a sense of, I've got to protect myself, or I've got to protect my disciples, I've got to protect my family. He saw from the standpoint of, what is the need? What is the need? He saw the need. It says, he fell on his knees and, and, and asked, if you are willing, 
you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant and he reached out his hand. He reached out his hand and he touched him. So Jesus saw him. Jesus heard the request. And then Jesus reached out and he touched. Interesting sequence. A sequence that sees and hears, that touches and eventually cleans, cleanses. Now, this was not a convenient time for Jesus. He's coming off a mountain after preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's had a chance to share and to preach, but in spite of it being inconvenient, Jesus, you catch this? Jesus is interruptible. You know, sometimes that makes a good application for us. Are we interruptible? Can we be interrupted? Don't let stuff stop you from getting to Jesus if you're in need or being Jesus for others as you see the need around you. Now, let's talk about this willing part. If you are willing. Notice he didn't say, if you can, you will. He said, if you are willing, you can. He believed he could. He just didn't know if he would. Are you catching that? He's, um, this cleansing is not going to happen unless Jesus designs it. He touches him and he cleanses him. He is made whole. You know, people didn't have to wait. I think Brian was bringing this up. People didn't have to wait when Jesus healed them. You know, it was like in this case, it was instant. It was immediate. It was there. Sometimes in our uh, healing ministry, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, we have a variety of ways in which God uses things to heal people. But in this case, he touched him and he healed him. Now, can you imagine Jesus reaching out to touch this leper and the reaction of those that were around him? Don't do it! Stop! Don't you know what you're going to do? You're going to infect yourself and you infect all of us. But it appears that as Jesus touched him, at the moment that Jesus touched him, cleansing took place. Healing took place. He was healed. He didn't touch a leprous body. <laughs> he touched him and he became whole. That was where the healing happened. So much so that not only everybody around recognized it, but he told him to go to the priest and to show himself, which was an Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, has a prescribed way. If somebody ever got healed from leprosy, here's what they were to do. Now, interesting, there's only one person in the Bible that we know of that was healed of leprosy. Only one person. And it wasn't even a, a Jewish person. It was the Assyrian king, you know, Naaman or whatever, you know. And uh, here, here's the interesting thing. There was a prescription for this guy to follow that had just been healed from Jesus. So he says, go and prepare this sacrifice. In fact, that's the, uh, I put it down this way, the ministry of Jesus who liberated him, who brought him out of bondage, out of this disease, and who touched him. It allowed the disease that once killed to now be be removed. Now, what this uh, mandate of the law was, Leviticus 13 and 14, you were to actually take and do a sacrifice. You were to take two birds, two turtle doves or two birds, and you were actually to, to kill one 
and put the blood in water. You were to dip the other one in the blood and release it. What does that remind you of? They did that with lambs. They did that with annual sacrifices. This was a specific cleansing sacrifice that they were to go through as part of the ritual because it gave them the opportunity then to re-enter society, to re-enter the public, to not to be isolated and outside the camp, but to come inside the camp. And, you know, God is in the business, in the habit of restoring fellowship. He wants to restore fellowship. He deals with the sin in our lives, just like he dealt with the disease in this man's life. Whatever would keep us outside the camp and not in full fellowship with one another, he loves to deal with that and to watch the sacrifice of his self on the cross become that reuniting that brings together uh, people, that cleanses us. Don't we all need cleansing? Isn't that what the ministry of the liberator is for? He gets rid of the sin in our lives and uh, deals with that. Let's take a minute and just view the chosen's uh, portrayal of this miracle. You were speaking Egyptian. I lived there when I was a boy. Why were you there? We had to leave Bethlehem when I was two years old because of Herod. You lived in Bethlehem? During the massacre of the innocents? I did. I know the story. Herod had every child in the area under the age of two killed. Yes. It was very sad. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you can handle this disease. You Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you can do. I know you can heal me if you are willing.
I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. What can I, what can I ever do? Do not say anything to anyone. You don't seek your own honor? Please just tell me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Where's an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Definitely your color. Oh. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine the joy that must be in that man's life now after being ostracized, isolated, diseased, and dying, and now to see healing happen? Amazing opportunity. Let, let me think with you about a couple of things about healing for a minute. Brian was talking about that this morning. One of the things that healing accomplishes, both in Jesus' ministry, the apostles' ministry, and as we pray together as a congregation, is it authenticates and shows the power of God. Jesus taught and healed side by side because the miracles... The, the, the healings that he did authenticated the message that he taught. We're going to see that even more in the next case with the um, healing of the paralytic. Jesus was who he said he was, and he proved he was who he said he was by the things that he did. Now, Jesus spoke to different characters, different people with that kind of a message several different times in several different ways. He spoke to those who wanted to kill him he spoke to those who were against him, and he said, the things that I do believe in me, not just because of what I've said, but because of what I've shown you, the works that I have shown you. They bear witness, he said, that I am who I said I am and who I say I am. He said in John chapter 14 to the disciples, he said, um, in the upper room, he said, believe not just on account of, of, of me going to the cross. He said, believe on me because of the works that I do. There's an authenticating of Jesus's ministry. And some of you know John 20, at the end of John's gospel, he says, many other things were done, more than you could even put in the book. But he said, these are written, these are here in the Bible. This story is in the Bible so that you will believe so that you will believe these signs are there they're written so that you may believe so that's true with the uh, leper man leprous man and it's true with the lame man that we're going to look at so authenticating Jesus's teaching was one of the key things a second thing that the healings did it demonstrates Jesus's purpose and care in our lives 
It demonstrates and it really authenticates our humanity in a way that Jesus stepped into our diseased and sin-sick world and made a difference, made a change. He came to touch us at our lowest point. That's what Jesus is here for. That shows us the purpose, not just the power and the might of Jesus. He enters into our humanity. He has pity on us and it validates our humanity. I mean, you need to hear that today. Some of you need to hear. He cares about your cancer. You know, he cares. It hurts him. Some of you, he cares about my, my, my migraines. You know, he cares about your torn up knee. I mean, it's things that are like that, that we go, does Jesus really care? Well, yes, he cares deeply about those things. Now, he's not walking around in the same way he was, but he loves to see healing take place and happen. The last one I want to say, so it authenticates his, who he was, it demonstrates his care, but it also, they become, I call them living parables. They become teaching opportunities. Every one of Jesus's ministry of healing shows us a little different perspective, a little different side of who Jesus is, what he wants to do, and of his earthly mission. If you're following along, jot these down. I think I've got a space for them in your handout. We'll be real quick on these. The first thing we always want to see with healing is immediate, like Jesus did with the leper. We want to see an instant removal of the disease or the problem, an instant cure. That happens sometimes. You know, numerous times with the body of Christ here, as we prayed over somebody or something, all of a sudden they've gotten well. And you go, praise God. That's the instant cure. That's what we always want. That doesn't always happen. It always happened in Jesus's day, in Jesus's ministry. It doesn't always happen in our day and our time. Sometimes, um, Sometimes we, we, we go to the second one. It's God's initiative, and he'll use things like medicine, treatments. Uh, Brian said five years of treatments for Trace. You know, that's a way in which God uses to cure. He, it's not like science and, and, and miracles are opposite or opposed to one another. Sometimes they go hand in hand. Remember uh, Paul's encouragement to call for the elders and anoint the sick person with oil. You kind of go, what was that about? Well, it was getting them ready to go to work with the faith that they're going to get well, but it was also medicinal. (laughs) That was the primary medicinal (laughs) option they had at that time to clear up uh, skin issues and stuff like that. Nature, medical science, uh, just caregivers, can be amazing miracle workers in someone's life. So God uses that initiative to help. Remember Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts? He was a physical doctor. That's why he pointed out so many aspects of the healing ministries that Jesus went through. I call this one the miracle of God's guidance. And sometimes this happens with uh, sickness. Sometimes it happens with non-sickness 
related things. But sometimes it'll lead to a remedy or a solution or a situation that you just look at and go, there's only one way that that happened. God miraculously intervenes. He leads to the right person, to the right hospital, to the right friend, to the right answer, and he guides and directs to a healing aspect. Number four, this is the tough one. This is the one that the apostle Paul had to accept. He is healing for the thorn in the flesh. You know what I'm talking about there? He, he prayed, God said no. He prayed again, God said no. He prayed the third time. God said no. God answered his prayer. It wasn't that God didn't answer his prayer. He didn't answer it the way God, uh, Paul wanted him to be, it to be answered. But nonetheless, Paul says there was an answer to his prayer. And in the long run, kind of like the five years, Brian, in the long run, he praised God. And he said he'll glory in that infirmity. He'll glory in that. He was healed in a totally different way than he initially had prayed. And he thanked God for it. Oh, that's a powerful one. That is a powerful opportunity for us. Remember uh, Jacob from the Old Testament? He, he was healed, but he always had a limp. He always had a limp. He wasn't without that. One last one, jot this down. Of course, we're all gonna be ultimately healed. You catch that? This has to do with going into eternity where the Bible says there is no sickness, there is no disease, there's no crying, there's no sorrow, there's no mourning, but ultimately and eternally, we have life. When someone goes home, they're ultimately healed. An interesting aspect here, all of the people that Jesus touched and healed, the leper, the lame man, every one of them physically died. They all got sick and died from something. They're not around today. <laughs> And you go, whoa, well, what was it about then? It wasn't an eternal healing like number five is. Five is a forever healing where we will have no problems. Final miracles, no tears, but only uh, joy. In, um, in our world, we've got cases and individuals who um, have tried to healing and get very disappointed if the healing doesn't happen. And so they'll equate a lack of faith with that. I remember in uh, an acquaintance I had in college and the people all came around and had CP, had cerebral palsy and uh, people wanted to see him healed. So they prayed and he wasn't healed. And eventually he prayed a couple of different times. His cerebral palsy never went away. So you know what they told him? It was his fault. It was lack of faith. And eventually they said, no, it's not just lack of faith. You're demon possessed. So the question to one of the leaders was, am, am I, am I demon-possessed? And he was a brand-new believer. He was a young Christian. No, you're not demon-possessed because cerebral palsy didn't leave your body. That's Remember uh, Johnny Erickson Tata? She was in that same category. People pulled her, to get, pulled her apart and said, we need to pray for you. You're going to get healing from this uh, paralysis that you've got. She never did. That would be number four. You know? In fact, she became a painter with her teeth. She became an author par excellence. She became a speaker and has blessed the body of Christ for decades, 40 years. Not demon-possessed, but she wasn't healed. 
But it wasn't lack of faith. It was God's choice. God can do miracles in a variety of ways. In those cases, it was number four on there. In all of our cases, it's going to be number five. We're all going to get eventual healing. Disease, sickness, tears, sorrow, and even death. We were not made for that. That is a part of our life here on earth. God didn't make us for that. He made us for something else. That's why deep within us, we have this yearning and this longing for something else, something that is eternal. Well, let's move real quick to the uh, lame man, the healing of the lame man. I love this story. We've seen it a little bit as we talked about Matthew already, this healing of the lame man. And I, I think it's more the incredible friends I'm touched by than just the the healing that takes place. Jesus heals the layman. Let's read it real quick. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. Since he could not get him into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by, dragging, by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone, but God alone. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that he, this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Just like uh, Jesus was open to the interruptions of the uh, leper, <laughs> He is open to the interruptions in his teaching in this house. Through the ceiling comes a man who needs healing. And the preacher, Jesus, who is, what's the Bible say? He was preaching the word to them. I mean, that's got to be focused on in our attention. Jesus' primary thing was not healing. That was the secondary thing. His primary thing was teaching the kingdom of God. Healing backed up that, uh, that teaching. This teacher who is profitable and popular and fruitful now is preaching the word and has the opportunity to uh, heal. I'm gonna hasten through this and talk about the four guys for a minute, the partners. They're the ones that Jesus observes their faith. He doesn't necessarily see the man's faith. He sees the friend's faith, their plural faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. 
this uh, bold and creative group. By the way, how good a friend are you? <laughs> how fierce are you at bringing your friends to a situation where they can encounter the teacher, the master, the healer, Christ? This uh, time plus mess plus noise and interruption didn't matter. Jesus saw their faith and the partners brought him in. And of course, this whole thing of forgiveness here. Jesus could have just said, be healed and had the guy walk off. But instead, he said, your sins are forgiven you. Now, if you're in a situation with somebody and they say to you, Jesus never claimed to be God, this is one of those passages you can use where he claimed not only to be the son of God, but to be God, to have the power to forgive sins. The Jewish leaders are going, well, who has the power to forgive sins except God himself? And Jesus says, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven? Now, that's invisible. You'd say, that's kind of easier. Why are you taking the easy way out? <laughs> but no, that's a God thing. No one can do that, ultimately, except God. But then here's the opportunity to see the man healed, to see the deeper need of sin being forgiven not just in a temporary way, but in an eternal way. And the idea is they never saw anything like this before. Let's watch one more clip. The lame man being healed. I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk it's easy to say anything no but to show you and so that you may know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins
she does it. Stand together with me if you would. Let's close off in prayer. Where do you need to be reminded of the gospel and Jesus' love for you? What do you need from the cleansing, the touch of Christ in your life? What do you need for your faith to be seen as you bring others to him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. Thank you for the way we could see that uh, illustrated this morning with baptism and with communion and with the opportunity to see these two individuals and their lives touched by Jesus. Lord, would you show us ways in which you want to be dealing with us as those who are needing your cleansing? Would you be showing us today ways in which you want to use us as those who would bring others to your throne, bring others to your healing. Show us those things today, Heavenly Father, because you know, only you can. We tell you again today, Lord, that we love you. We praise you. We worship you for being who you are, for loving us the way you have. Close this time in the benediction of Jesus, our, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.